When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Excuse me, Veronica. Yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Welcome back to the Pants Party. It's Harrison Starr, Ben Ross. It's hate week, and I hate it here. That's that's my definition of hate week. Ben, how are you doing? Mr. Can you remember Harmonson? a time where you've ever hated hate week so much? Um, no. And we're going to get into this probably in, in the back half, but maybe we can talk about it now. Like, I think the pendulum swing is, has just been hilarious over maybe maybe since the end of last football season in terms of those early lines coming out and Iowa was like a double-digit favorite over Iowa State, laughably so. And now they're right at three and a half. And it honestly feels like if this isn't the year it happens for Matt Campbell, when is the year? And we're saying this a year after we said the exact same thing. It's so funny. It feels like, I mean, how many times have we asked if this isn't the year for Fran McCaffrey to make the Sweet 16? And this is even, like, more uh, poignant, I think, because, God, I'm looking at all the game not game day, but, like, pictures that first of all i don't remember ever seeing like frat houses at iowa state putting like eight week posters up but like did you see all the stuff about like petrus's Uh like can't read like iowa fans can't read a defense or read books or you know things like that or petrus took speech lesson like this is why Iowa fans go to Kirkwood and they misspelled Hawkeyes and one of them the, the jokes write themselves but it was like some very SEC ass type of sharpie on construction paper stuffing out of Fred House windows and it's like you've lost this game six years in a row what's that say about you like <laughs> talking a lot of shit where you can easily get hit personally you know, it, it it is like, though, I mean, I'd be full of fucking hubris if I was an Iowa State fan right now, I guess, though. I'd be full of a lot of things. Full of a lot of things, for sure. And we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But, but yeah, I mean, like, I just... Here's the thing about maybe putting a bow on last week, especially within kind of the the context of college football writ large. We're... Honestly, it just seems like we're in an apathetic point with Iowa football with the offense. Like you mentioned laying down. I was texting you this weekend and like it 
it was like I was a scuba diver coming up from air. I couldn't just, I, I came up too fast. I tried to go straight into other football games and I couldn't. So I had to bake a cobbler. And then I, I watched the rest of the uh, the Arkansas game. I watched some of the Ohio State Notre Dame game. And it's just like, these are completely different sports. Like I, I'm turning back the time machine for three and a half, four hours every weekend watching Iowa football. And I don't like Florida, it. Florida, Utah. Utah is the most Big Ten-ass Pac-12 team. Yeah. Literally flew over them to take UCLA. And Utah still held on with Florida. I mean, they had that game in hand until uh, that game went down to the wire. That's technically the best game of the week, in my opinion. And you're you're right. Different sports. I mean, what? Appalachian, what what was was it? North Carolina State or Appalachian State scored 40 in a quarter? (laughs) Like, what the hell? Yeah. I didn't even know that was possible. Like, I didn't know that. The drive chart doesn't make sense. The drive charts don't make sense. Uh, it only makes sense if you remember they're playing against a Mac Brown team. Uh, that that does that does make it make sense. I mean, I think that the thing with Iowa football is like the dunking is coming from everywhere. Everyone is dunking on Iowa football, and they're not wrong to do it. There are so many different angles, and like. Charlie Jones, you know, Purdue after a loss that they should have won. Purdue should have won that game if they had 10% of Kirk Ferentz and Jeff Brom. They're dunking on Iowa, saying Charlie Jones has 12 receptions versus 21 last year. Guess what? Iowa had 11 receptions this week. We don't even have to go to last year to make Charlie Jones' stats look insane. It's just, it's wild. I mean, he's vindicated. He made the right choice. Do you think does does anything? I, what, what's what's Charlie Jones' stat line if he plays for Iowa Saturday? Two catches for eleven yards, and maybe maybe a punt, maybe a punt return for a touchdown. I mean, it's probably <laughs> half of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that. Maybe a punt or a kick return for a touchdown. I was talking with my dad this weekend, and maybe that this is another thing to add. Like uh, I'm a little all over the place, but like. He his point was so funny that he said Charlie Jones doesn't look like the same returner. It's like yeah, because he gets the ball on offense. He doesn't have to try and maximize his touches on special. He's teams. tired for the first time. He also doesn't. He also doesn't. <laughs> he's also tired. Oh my god, it's so true. It's so true. And then like I go to the St. Louis Cardinals game. On Sunday, which in some respects is like the stylistic equivalent of South Dakota State, Iowa, in the sense that like nothing happened for two and a half hours. And then it did. Like Albert Pujols comes up, hits a game winning home run. It's why everyone paid whatever they paid to be in the stadium and they saw it happen. And it's a memory that I'll have for the rest of my life. I, You couldn't have me forget the Iowa South Dakota state game quick enough. And I mean, the other parallel is that Iowa scored in twos and the St. Louis Cardinals on that day scored in twos. And it's just, I I, I don't even know if there's another way to contextualize it within modern football, college football, uh, 
the Kirk Ferentz era, but it truly does seem like a low point. And, and maybe the low point when you consider the context of, oh, this is Brian Ferentz's fifth year. It's Pet- Petrus's third year as starter. Like, I, I'm willing to chalk up that Wisconsin game in 2017. That's fine. That happens. It came a week after the Ohio State game. Like, but to have the extension of 2021 into 2022, like we saw play out on Saturday, it just, I I just genuinely can't believe it, but I can, but I can't believe I can believe it, if that makes sense. So, uh, I mean, it's just like, you never think your worst nightmares are going to come true, right? It's, you know, what we always say is. You know, why are we surprised? And it's just like, try and, I think, hedge our own bets against our worst instincts. And and very rarely, it's like, you know, what it's just like anything else in life. You never want to put the cart before the horse for something good that could be on the horizon for you. And you never, yep. you know, want to dwell on an absolute worst case scenario. Well, obviously it's a football game, so I don't want to extrapolate but what would be worse than yeah. this for an Iowa offense? Like, simply, I don't think you can draw up anything other than... I don't even want to say what I'm thinking because it's out of, really, the realm of possibility. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that I they lose right. that A game, loss. like, 6-3. That, like, that's the, mm-hmm. that's the worst-case version of that game is somehow they piece together a drive to get out of the shadow of their own goalposts and they win six to three because that's the worst version of that. And like, I was listening to some post game podcasts and I quote raised this point. It's like, it, it may, this might've been in this game, but I was field goal drive. They, they almost had more points than yards on that drive. It was a five-yard drive that they scored a field goal on. Like, the offense was so non-existent. And I think that, that that's genuinely what's shocking is, you know, you expect Iowa to maybe have some early game struggles to eventually kind of catch a rhythm. But, and then just, you know, it, even if it, it goes to half, 3-3, three, three, you know, 17-3, 20 24 to three, something like that. Do what you're supposed to do against an FCS opponent. But the, the, they just had no desire to move the ball. It felt like, and and yes, there are problems across the board, but it, it seemed like it kind of rests with Kirk Ferentz in terms of like, we got this in hand. We got, we got the, the first safety. We're, we're going to win this game because I trust our defense so much. And it, I mean, it, it, what do you think, like, trusting your defense so much, it's like Jack Campbell goes out there and, like, gets in front of any, you know, gets in front of any questions he's going to get asked about his quarterback. Do you think the defense got lucky? Do you think, um, like, do you, do you think they trust them too much to a fault? That's a great question, Ben. I I think the defense trusts themselves so much that 
literally they think they just need any lead to hold on to. And if I was going to have the field position advantage like they did last week, yeah, they're going to make a lot of defense, a lot of offenses look really stinking bad. Jack Campbell ragdolled the guy in the end zone. I've never seen anything more disrespectful than that. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. And, like, here's the thing. If, like, Jack Campbell ragdolls Deckers on Saturday, how vindicated (laughs) is everybody? Exactly. Like, I I think you you raise a good point. Like, it's one thing to have so much confidence in your defense against a Penn State where you kneel it, where you still know they're going to get the ball back, or Minnesota where you stuff P.J. Fleck into a locker one more time. It's another thing to do this against an overmatched opponent like South Dakota State. You play these games to warm your team up, and that's the thing that concerns me as much as anything is Iowa's offense looks like it could not look any less warm. What do you mean any less warm? It's freezing. It's ice cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the the line from, oh, why can't I think about it? Think What's colder than being cold, ice cold. All yep. right, all right, all right. That, all that right, is, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's Iowa's offense right now. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that we want to talk about it anymore other than to say, like, I do have some, some questions before we kind of get into um, some of, I would call it palace intrigue with the Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz dueling press conferences because that, that was hilarious to me. But here, here are some quick hitters that, that I have while I was uh, going on a walk with Elliot yesterday. Um, this season, what do you think is more likely? Petrus throws a career high in passing yardage in a game and or passing touchdowns. So let me get, I'll get those numbers or Iowa records three safeties. His passing touchdown can't be more than two. Yeah. So here's what you're looking at. It would be four touchdowns. He threw three against Illinois okay. and three against Maryland. Or, um, oh boy, it would be 266 yards, I, I think, I mean, if I'm doing this right. Yeah, 266 yards. His very first game that he started I have to think was he, his career high 267 yards is more likely than three safeties, but that's a sad, sad thing. You know what we should be talking about? We should really be. We should be talking about how a safety should be worth yeah, more than two points, because it is objectively the harder, harder thing to do. Much harder to score a safety than a touchdown. It is yeah, worth more than two points. Yeah, that is the thing. So it is in theory so worth presumably... nine to ten points if you <laughs> if you play your cards right, but it's, it doesn't work like that. I, I want defensive scores to take points away from the opponent. How great would it have been for Iowa to win by a score of three to negative? Well, there's all. I, I mean, a while ago, there was also the uh, theory that every time you punt, it should take a point off the board too. Oh, who who was that? Was that Roger? That was an was SB Nation. Like, uh, I think it was Ryan Nanny back in the heyday of EDSBS. Okay. 
That was a good one. That was a good one. Here's another one I have. Uh, what's more likely? Petrus takes 100% of snaps. I'm taking out non-injury, non-injury related. Or Labis takes a snap in the flow of the game. So we're not. So Padilla is not in that equation. I'm saying he's in the equation in I the think sense of the 100% I, I think snaps. we see Alex Padilla on Saturday. So like he would be... I don't think we see Joey Labis okay. unless Padilla okay. gets shit-rocked the same way Padilla does by uh, by that now, defensive end for Iowa State, whose name escapes me. Uh, one like that. Yeah. Very good. Uh, another one I have a little sadder. Uh, what happens first? Scott Frost is fired or Keegan Johnson plays a game for Iowa this so season? So we're looking at what, October, mid-October? Ooh, that's a yeah. good one. Um, yeah, I, I think know. we see Keegan in the first Big Ten game. Okay. Okay. That would be uh, Rutgers yeah. in, yeah. I guess, two plus weeks. All right. And then my last one is when will Iowa score three offensive touchdowns next? The last time they did this was against Minnesota. And the time before that, offhand, I believe was the Maryland game where they um, wrapped up. I think up we do against points. who's our third opponent? Nevada? Yeah, I've... Nevada. But if, but what if it, what if it isn't? If it's Nevada? not, if it's not that, Nevada, <laughs> yeah. That, if it's not, does Nevada, it happen this season? Rodgers, it has to be. I don't know, man. Rutgers play; they beat Boston okay, College. Are we hating? Are we all of a sudden caping for Boston College now? I've I always thought I've always thought that Rutgers is going to give. Kirk Ferentz, a really tough game. Especially well, they had before. Wasn't there a game where we only won 14-7? So, yeah. Yeah, the Wadley game. I mean, name a team that name a team that hasn't All right. scared Iowa for non-stupid reasons. I guess... Are the reasons because of Iowa? Yeah, because because Minnesota that was Iowa. Because you're right. Iowa I mean, was in a prison of uh, its own making against Minnesota last year. But I mean, Jerry Kill beat Iowa by forty once. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every every team has the po- possibility yeah. of scaring Iowa. It's why we follow right. them to the ends of the earth. All right, those were just some some quicker questions I have. Um, before we turn our attention to <laughs> these dueling press conferences. Because really, Ben, like, t- to me, I know Bronwell Camp said, don't read anything t- into it, but I don't know how anyone can't read something into it. And knowing that every assistant's going to come up and face the music at some point this season, like they did last season, to me, it's just hilarious that Brian Ferentz is the first one to come up because obviously you'd rather have him, he'd rather be up there with a more successful game under his belt. But also this, this is kind of, as you said, don't put the, the cart ahead of the horse in some ways, like facing South Dakota after the South Dakota state win is better than almost, you know, 
the the season can go a million different ways. I, I would say a lot of the majority of them are negatively for the offense. Like he's 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 getting out there pretty soon, and, and I think that you know now he can not have to be held accountable, quote unquote, in in this setting at all the rest of the season. So in, in that way, I respect Iowa getting him out. So there. I, I mean, Lysakow asked straight up like you know why are you here and parents response was basically like he said i'm up i don't know if he meant i'm physically standing in front of a, a zoom screen and fr- a zoom camera in front of your wet dream for a man cave or i was awake at 1 p.m on a on a wednesday um you know they did the this last year and i think Somebody was in his mentions, like, I'm surprised, I didn't realize that Iowa fan, like, people forgot that the coordinators were available via Zoom uh, during COVID, or during last year, and I guess I'm shocked to learn that they carried, they could have easily um, just discontinued that. Um, makes me think that Brian really wanted to get out of, like you said, car before the horse, get, get ahead of it, and, you know, maybe... Take the opportunity to throw a shot at throw throw a shot at his dad. Like, really made it sound like his exact comment. We can pull up when you're talking, but made it sound like that he wanted Petrus out of there. To to me, there is clear dissonance. Like, I I think that it's one thing for because Brian does say enough of the stuff that we expect Kirk to say in terms of he has my full support, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think I've seen an Iowa coach be as pointed as he was this afternoon in the sense that like one, he, he wasn't, super angry about the offensive line. Like I, I think he, he's deflecting criticism off the offensive line, which in my opinion is fair because they are pretty young. Like the guys who are out there were young in new positions, etc. Spencer Petrus is a third year starting quarterback, fifth year in the system. He's the one that should be getting the, if anyone should be getting it right on the first game of a season, it's Spencer Petrus. And he was, he was calling him out like, hey, if you need a perfect pocket to throw everything, you're going to be waiting a long time. And I I was kind of blown away by that, the full context of the quote. I don't know if you have it up, but what, what Scott Dockerman transcribed, it was about as pointed as I'd ever seen a coach be um, in terms of especially the quarterback position. And that much shocked me. Yeah, it was after watching the tape, we had ample opportunity in the pocket to deliver the ball and do what we needed to do as far as making the read and getting the ball out there to the correct guy on time. So it just is basically like, and we all saw it. Um, Alvin Bruce was Petrus's first, second, and third read. And when he wasn't, Laporta was his fifth and sixth. Fourth, fourth, fifth, and sixth read. So, you know, the he had, there are plenty of times where he had Wick, open over the middle and he either missed him with a pass or missed him completely and forced it to a triple covered Monty Potterbaum or a double covered Luke Lachey. It 
and I guess that's really what I thought was going to be his undoing. That's why there was a smidge of me thinking that we'd see Padilla <clears throat> in the second half, simply because Petrus was... He has the tiny Madden 07 passer cone, and it never got taken off of Arlen Bruce at all. Yeah, and like, I, I mean, I think if there if there is one thing that's disappointing from kind of the offensive game plan, it's like, obviously they try to get the ball to Arlen Bruce a ton, but it wasn't particularly creative how they were trying to get Arlen Bruce the ball. Like they ran him in motion a handful of times. What he got one uh, jet sweep carry. Um, Obviously he's a punt returner, but now as, as you've kind of alluded to Ben, you're stacking up all of these plays, which in some respects are pretty exhaustive for a wide receiver, especially when we talk about Iowa football, where, if you're a wide receiver, you need to block your rear end off too. So like all of this is kind of putting just a ton of pressure on Bruce and I think he can handle it. But going back to the beginning of this season, your question, how dire is this, this wide receiver room? And like I said it in the after, after party this week, it's even worse than I thought considering how locked on to Bruce Petrus was. And, and that that's scary. It does sound like we're getting Brody Brecht back this week, at least, but I don't really think that's going to change anything. Um, I mean, yeah, there was no... The depth chart was even more concerning this week than the beginning of the week. No, no Justin Jacobs on there. Uh, no dunker on there for whatever reason. Um, the specialist category is a new thing I've never seen before. I've never ever in my co- years of following Iowa football they sent out two depth charts because they sent out the wrong one apparently uh, to start on Monday, and now they sent out a second one that had the specialist portion on it. Just unhinged stuff, I think, is what you said. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because in like an official capacity, you've been like legit following Iowa football as a capital J journalist and, you know, a, a lowercase b blogger. But how how does it happen for 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 the double depth chart to happen? Because to, to me, the, the, the thing that was just wild and I don't know if it's truly a mistake or if it's some weird type of Kirk Ferentz trying to light a fire under Keegan Johnson but it was so weird for Keegan Johnson his name to be the top line on that first one and then the second one not not a whiff at all and I don't want to entertain conspiracy theories too much but it's just weird. Well, I think was, I do think it's a mistake because right it was the exact because Keen Johnson was on the depth chart for the for the game on Saturday, was he not? It was the exact same depth chart as Saturday. And, yeah, and it was the exact. And that's same. why I was so That's why I think it was a mistake. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they just. Um, okay. Okay. But okay. still, it's, that, you know, that usually they're sense. pretty buttoned up. Usually they run a pretty tight ship with the, that kind of thing, and obviously it's taken on water in all all aspects. 
it it you, it brings up an interesting point because like as I said, like it really is like unhinged what we're seeing from Iowa social media. Like their tweet the Sunday after the game is like we're all trying to be better, and it's like this coy shot at the Iowa fans for kind of booing and like. I listened to Go Iowa Awesome's podcast, Jacoby in the Stands. He's like, I'd never heard booing like that. Mm-hmm. And that was wild. It's like almost this acrimonious type of relationship that Iowa fans and the football team are having at each other. And in some ways, it started last year. Like, it started last year with Petrus kind of his end of season statement like, hey, we're all people's kids and our parents are in the stands and they hear what you're saying about us. And instead of that, like kind of quelling the storm, it seemed to just like be a tinder for this fan base going into the first game of the season with under the assumption that, Hey, offense is going to be a little better than it was last year. And then to come out and have a zero touchdown game. It's like my, Oh my, at least they scored touchdowns against Purdue and Wisconsin. Um, the booze is pretty crazy. Like, you could hear them. Usually you don't pick up stuff like that on TV, I feel like, but they were. They were flying around, you know, and I think somebody said that they were booing Brock Purdy last year at Iowa State, which, fair enough, I guess. But, again, I I think it's out of a place of love, you know? We want to see our children succeed, and if that involves, if seeing that success involves splitting the baby and so be it one is is that ultimately like the crux of this is like Kirk Ferentz is so focused on having like a together locker room he's so focused on winning the week in the game in front of him that like these wide range views of kind of outside perspective what the fans think like even if say at the beginning of the season he's like i'm gonna split the baby like jim harbaugh and say hey padilla's starting game one petrus is starting game two we'll figure out game three going forward like is it it just seems like there's so much build up as a result of the the quarterback position and like Every stat I, I see about Spencer Petrus that I oh, do yeah. to myself, it's worse than the last. Like the the sixty percent, like four, three of his last four games are his worst percentage games from a completion percentage mm-hmm. standpoint of his career. Like this guy's just lost it, and Kirk Ferentz is going to be the last guy that sees it, right? Like, I mean, that's that's how we're trending with this. Here's what I keep and I'm thinking about now is not everybody on this team is Jack Campbell. You know there are guys motherfucking Petrus every chance they get behind his back. Maybe front of, maybe in, in his face in a locker room. We don't know what that's like in there at halftime or during practice. And is a coup going to be like, they can't afford to have a coup. On their hands, right? Yeah, I don't want to necessarily go that far, but, like, we haven't had an, an everything that can go wrong will go wrong season in a while, Ben. And that that's, I don't know if it means a coup, but, like, 
the the two that strike me as in that realm are 2012 and 2016, where the lead up to 2016 was kind of similar to this one in the sense that, all right, we all kind of know Iowa peaked last year. Can they repeat it? And at least with 2016, like the first two games of that season were, they looked the same. But then you had the weird stuff with uh, North Dakota State happen. Vandenberg goes down. Kittle gets injured. Like everything just kind of piles up in season. I think there's probably, you know, if there's a book written about the 2015, 2016 team, there's probably a book written about or a portion of that book talking about how Bethard, et cetera, were at a certain rally for a certain politician and discord that may have created. Um, This doesn't seem like that type of environment like existed in the past because also going on in the past is like, Hey, the the Doyle aspect to this. I, I, I do feel like this team is genuinely more together than they have been in the past. But what happens when they start losing, Ben? And I think that that, that to me is going to be what, what ultimately drives whether we see this get really pretty off the rails. It just seems like a perfect storm of snowballing situation. And I guess... To put a uh, what's the word? To do a sort of a one-to-one analog, like, do you think there are to the sixteen discourse? Do you think maybe there is a, a group of people that are Team Petrus and then a group of people that are Team Padilla? Like, do you think that? Again, I, I know you said you didn't want to get too far into it, but do you think people are <laughs> picking political sides here? I don't think it's necessarily anything like that. Like I think in mm, 2014, yeah, that's you're when right. we had clear yeah. Rudock Bethard divisions. Um, but I think this year it's whoever is playing. I think Iowa players are going to support publicly, um, and that's to, to your point. I think everyone's going to take from Jack Campbell, and I think what he said was pretty important. But it's also very important for Iowa's offense to show up if not this week, but over the course of this season, they need to show that they can hold up their end of the bargain because we know the defense mm-hmm. is going to week after week outside of, you know, probably Purdue, but like, and maybe Ohio State, but having a great defense gives you a chance to win a lot of these games. You need offense to win some of them too. And like that, that's just Kirk's worldview is so warped that, it, it makes it so weird because, like, contrasting Brian's a little more you know, straightforward press conference, Kirk was just doing what he always does and, like, wasn't even entertaining the thought that that Padilla would play, even though he said all offseason, we feel good about both guys. I guess that means just in case Petrus gets injured because, um, to me, that is maybe where the palace intrigue comes in because Kirk saying he almost will never go yeah. to Padilla parsing his words versus versus Brian insinuating that he he's very close to to seeing both quarterbacks um it it really is just fascinating to me ahead of a rivalry game against a a team that I think I always kind of thought would be a little bit of a stealth 
loss for Iowa. Um, but that looked pretty good. That have kind of the the components of teams that have beaten Iowa in the past. And, you know, you look at a Will McDonald, hey, it, it doesn't take much to to disrupt Iowa's offense, and, and he can do that single-handedly. Yeah, I mean, shit, if Iowa State was playing with 10 guys, you, I still think they'd be able to disrupt uh, Petrus or this offense the the way it's looking right now. I don't I, – I can't believe, like, Iowa's still favored in this game. I still can't believe – you know, I know it's a home game, and I know it's the precedent is Iowa beats Iowa State every which way, or Iowa State beats itself. But, <clears throat> and maybe that's just, you know, it's the beauty of it, is we could see a totally, completely different team next week, you know, or this week. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're hoping for, right? Like, it is just that, hey, we see enough offense to get two two touchdowns on the board and the defense continues to be great. Maybe they had a score of their own and, and that's it. But I don't know. Like I, I, I just South Dakota's South Dakota state, still South Dakota state and Iowa state's not South Dakota state. Whatever. I mean, state schools are state schools, but uh, you know, more uh, than anything, who would Iowa state play Southeast Missouri state? Yeah, I mean, they're not Iowa. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the, the case. Yeah, because if we pull up those stats, let's see. 2022, I think Deckers went something like oh my God. 25 of 32. 25 of 31. They averaged nearly five yards per run. Um, Who is... If there's a weird stat... To be like, oh no, I miscounted. They had twenty six. Who was the last Iowa State quarterback downs. to beat Iowa? That's what know. I was thinking. Steel that Jantz, it had to have been twenty fourteen. There's got to be somebody more. Re- Steel Jants. It can't be right. Man, that. 2014 god that 2014 iowa state team lost to north dakota state by uh 20 points sam richardson that's sam right. b richardson yeah. if you gave me if you gave me a dozen he guesses, transfer I somewhere i gotten there after iowa state or or didn't he or, or was he the transfer from georgia oh no that was the Okay. That was like Campbell's first guy. Nobody knows. That you're talking about, I think. That guy was wild. So I... Because then he ended up like at some Oklahoma community college. So I college. guess... <laughs> Sam B. Richardson, man. But like, here, here's where Iowa has just put me from an offensive perspective. Is like I went back through the game logs earlier today between Iowa and Iowa State and 2017. No, excuse me. I started with 2015, the high point of or when Iowa turned the rivalry on its head. That was a high point of yards per play that they had in 
the last six games, I guess it was. So it went like 6.8 to 6.1 to 4.9 to, I don't know, to, yeah, to like 4.3, 2 to 4.3 to 2.9. And it's like just this horrible downward trend. It got me thinking like, how good is, does Iowa actually need to be offensively? Like is 5.5 yards per play good? No, that's 80th in the country. If Iowa averaged 5.5 yards per play, it would only move them up, like, you know, I guess because it's Iowa, it would move them up close to 30 spots. But, like, I'm like, oh, that put him in the middle of the pack? No, it's still in the bottom I don't know. Third. If you told me I was getting a first down every two plays, every three plays, I'd be ecstatic. Yeah. That was my thought. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess... Maybe as we kind of close it out, Ben, what, like, what do you want to see from this team on on Saturday? Like, in, in, I guess, what do you want to see, and how far, how far detached from reality? I have is no it? reason to believe we're going to see anything different. You know, I, I do. It does sound like we're getting Gavin Williams back, but I don't think that changes much. Uh, I think I think Lashawn was fine. Um, I mean, he wasn't fine, but he wasn't the problem, I guess. Uh, I have no reason to believe, you know, it's still going to be Arlen Bruce. We're not going to see Keegan Johnson. We're not going to see Nico Organi. It's going to be Arlen Bruce out there doing everything we can. It's going to be Sam Laporta out there doing wide receiver screens with one blocker against three men in the box for him. We're not in the box, but three guys scouting or uh, spying him. I, you know, I, I think people are trying to defend some of the play calling, the scheming from Brian Ferentz. I, I, I don't think there's anything defensible about this offense. I, ju- I just don't, and uh, I'm done trying to rationalize it. I think we see, I think we That's see, fair. I think we see really, like, I think I mean, we see losing again. I think, I do think kind of Iowa maybe kind of gets blown out. I don't, I, I just think this is one of, about, I'm expecting disaster. I really am. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on my fear, and this is this is a point I've raised elsewhere. But like, what we see when, at least in the Iowa Iowa State series, what we see when a school has like a chokehold on this rivalry and then the other team takes it away, it's not like a close one that they squeak out. It's a blowout. And we look at, so, um, the best example, go ahead and, so from 98 to uh, 2002, Iowa State wins. In 2003, Iowa wins by 19 points. That's the one. The other one, you go way back to 83 after a, a nice little run from Iowa State, four and five games. Hayden Fry begins like a f- putting up 50 burgers on our friends out west and beats them by 40 points. The other, the other one, I guess, that 98 game after Hayden Fry, you know, stuffed that school in a locker. 
Dan McCarney in his, oh, that's more games than I thought. One, two, three, four. Fourth game, he wins by 18 points. So those are kind of the three stretches where it's like, oh, there are, you know, four of these going on, kind of the big inflection points. Um, and they're all, they're all kind of big. And right now we're in a, a, a six game winning streak for Iowa. It's a lot of fun, but I think it might be over. And like, but this is always your point, Ben. We have to see it to believe it. Mm-hmm. We have to see that Matt Campbell is going to beat Iowa to actually believe that Matt Campbell can beat Iowa. Yeah, I mean, that is the only thing. It's like Matt Campbell, Scott Frost, P.J. Fleck, what do they all have in common? So, you know, I'm a historian. In a vacuum, I see those results and the schedule, and I don't see what happened in week one. And, you know, Iowa wins, baby. Yeah, I mean, I think that that, that it's ultimately going to come down to if Iowa can generate mm-hmm. any sort of offense. And, like, that's where I was detached from reality going into last week was, like, the the only thing I wanted to see was Iowa yeah. assert themselves offensively. And, well, I, I actually think, like, looking in, in the LaShawn numbers, they're a little better then they look, because he just averaged three yards per carry. But one thing he did a lot better was mm-hmm. not lose yardage. He only had three plays. I thought he only had two. Of zero yards. Okay. And okay. two plays of negative yardage. So five plays total where Iowa didn't move forward. And I don't know if that has me optimistic, but Iowa, eventually Iowa is going to have to catch these teams off guard with eight men in the box, or they're just not going to. I guess, like, no one's saying they have to. And I firmly, no one's saying they have to change. I firmly believe LaShawn and Williams. And they're I mean, not going to. He did have the fumble. Uh, but there's in the first quarter, Petrus missed him on yeah. screen pass. I think that would have gone for a touchdown. He had four blockers and 30 yards of daylight in front of him. Yeah, that's the... Yeah, I mean, I... I was thinking about the what-if game a little bit too, Ben. And it's like, you can really play the what-if game in Iowa's favor, but what happens if they score on that big touchdown? What, what do you mean? Score on that big t- Oh. Uh, South Dakota State. The one that yeah. uh, mm-hmm. they got over the top of Kayvon and uh, Schulte. <clears throat> like, is, do we know that Iowa can score we don't know when that. they need to score? I mean, we do know that. The answer is no. Like, It's just like it boggles my mind that like Kirk Ferentz, literally all he sees is did I get the win or did I not get the win? And in the moment is what I'm doing, helping our team win or losing our team win. And not, he is so, so allergic to style points that it just, it clouds his judgment. Like it, it clouds his judgment. The problem so with the what if game, I think, is I think the what if game when I'm playing it, I only see one touchdown, and that's the LaShawn Williams one. The only other what ifs I see are Petrus 
connecting. I think there were two third down plays where he missed a pretty open out quick um, over the middle for first downs. But so what? Maybe one of those gets you a field goal? Who knows? The what if game nets Iowa a 14... <laughs> A 14-3 win instead of a 7-3 win. And I don't think and I don't yeah. think 14-3 makes anybody any happier. I really don't. I see 17-0. That that's cuz the no fumble, I can't get I'm sorry, I can't give Iowa a touchdown there, but I I'm with you. I can give them a touchdown on the the screen pass. And I can take away their three points on one of the dumbest interceptions I've seen in the last three years. And you're right. 17, the only reason 17-0 would make me feel better, Ben, is that I was correct in uh, my pongs. But other than that, it wouldn't make me feel better at all about yeah. the prospects for Iowa's season. Alrighty, well... I think considering all the, all the podcasting we've got planned and, and you know, hitting the, the after party, I think these will probably be a little a little yeah. tighter in season. So any any closing thoughts? Do you want to give a final score prediction? My friend? It's, Iowa's either going to win safety. this game <laughs> by a score we've never even thought about or Iowa State's going to win big. And they're going to carry Matt Campbell off the field like he. And they'll have deserved it. Frickin' Rudy. I mean, more credit to him. Yeah. Because this isn't yeah. like. Here's the thing this isn't a bad Iowa team. Yeah. The defense is too good to call them a bad team. I know. That's what's frustrating. <laughs> just such a bad portion of football that it stinks. It really does. Maybe one final thing to close it out with is like, how many times is Tory Taylor going to be one of the top six or seven guys that Kirk Herbstreet mentions this season? Every time, in his he's, he's going to punt ten times a game. I think, basically, uh, I think I should sick. start a thing where I, I did the math, and I think he punted for about a little over half a mile. On, I know we talked about a running club. Our running club should we should run the distance, Tory Taylor runs every week. I mean, punts every week. Oh, that's good. See how fast we can run yeah, 497 like yards. Not even see how fast, just do it. it just, that's my workout for the day is I ran as many yards as Tory Taylor punted. We could, we could figure that out. Yeah. We could figure that good. out. I try the. Here, here's what happened, man. I forgot to run my mile. I didn't run. I didn't run the mile mm-hmm. around my block to see how fast I could do it last week. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll have to bring that back this week. Looking forward to it. So, alrighty, my friend. It was good talking to you. As yeah, always, I, I think do you have a score prediction? It's like twenty-four to three, twenty-four to ten. I think I was offense gifts. Iowa State a touchdown, uh, whether it be a pick six or great field position, um, and then 
It's kind of like, you know, the whole... What, who said it? Josie Jewell or James... Josie Jewell said it to C.J. Beathard against Michigan. Just get us 10, and we'll win the game. And it's going to kind of feel like that for Iowa State. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they Oh, my God. You, you to, think you think under 10 points wins the game for it. Iowa they'll State? They'll get it somehow. I, here's the thing. Iowa has scored I guess. so little that it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to predict that Iowa is going to, to throw up three touchdowns. Like, they, they, they had two games of seven last year. They had the game of three. They had three this week. The offense hasn't gotten above 20 points since the Penn State game. And even that hardly counts because Justin Jacobs could have taken his interception and ran into the end zone and gotten more yard points that drive than the drive actually happened. So, like, this... This team is just so bereft of offensive aptitude that it's it's hard to be. It wouldn't even be the most Iowa thing for them to go out and like lay a thirty burger. Like, I I I don't understand how people can like try and mm-hmm. put the two thousand nine team onto this. Look at the look at the two thousand nine U and I game. Ricky Stanzi almost threw mm-hmm. for three hundred yards. There was nothing to take from the offensive game last week and try and put it on this week, that makes me think, oh, okay, they're going to score and and not feel insane. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's going to be some dumb 12 to 6 type of game. I don't know. Yeah, okay, I buy that. 12-6, God, gross. El Asico, baby, it's back. It is back. Back. Seriously. And worse than ever. All right, my friend. I will Can't wait. I will talk to you later. Let's uh we'll we'll, we'll get back for oh, that, the Sorry. after party. I think if Iowa loses, we should call the after party Rock Bottom's basement. So, Toodle. Alrighty. Bye, my friend.